Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. Hello. My name's Eric. With me is my co-host, Robert. And we are back. We've got an action-packed weekend. No more uh, asterisks of who's playing what based on the data slate. A full weekend. So last weekend we had Games Workshop in Tacoma. This weekend, Frontline Gaming, the other big powerhouse on the circuit, is back with the Lone Star Open. But we also have a few newer events uh, to talk about. So we have an pretty much an all-tournament episode to talk about. Uh, also, the inclusion of a new circuit. It is the Oceanic Competitive Circuit. So this includes uh, not only Australia, New Zealand, but also this as well. So again, the return of uh, regional powers seems to be uh, another way to World of 40K. So yep, it'll definitely I, give... I, glad to... I know the, the Aussies live in upside-down land as we play tanks, they play hordes. When we play hordes, they play tanks. Because, you know, they live an opposite day. But, or at least that's how the joke would go when I would hear about their game data. It's definitely a good thing, though, that they're not having to constantly fight names like Manny Chima and stuff like that over the ITC, where Manny Chima can go to an event almost every other weekend. And the people in Australia and New Zealand and the other Oceania um, places can't exactly make that because they might be on a different island. True. But on the other hand, you do have the, uh, if you talk to the folks from that circuit, the constantly running into Eric Lothorius and Matt Marisole, and there's some some titans. And also remember, they are the defending uh, WC, WTC champs, which actually gets resolved, mm-hmm. uh, restarts about a week from now. Hopefully the embargo of uh, secrets and what's who's playing what will be lifted soon enough. But yep. uh, let's we'll see if the And I remember the that we had something on the docket last week that we didn't have enough time to get to. Was that what was about what we missed last time or was it something? I'm sure it was something else. I colluded <laughs> what I'm thinking. It, I think right it now. was some kind of um, change or something that, you had brought up about. <gasps> yes, give me a second. Uh, I'm racking my um, brain on this. What was I'm going to stall for time <laughs> while I'm thinking about this uh, competitive advice from your folks at the Exterminatus podcast. Um, this is going to sound really wonk, but somebody brought this up, and as somebody who I normally says, "Oh God, they're in the room. Do I have to listen to them?" And they, but a broken clock is right at least twice a day. They actually said something brilliant. If you have plans on building an army for a competitive event in the next 90 days, or even before the end of the year, you might want to buy the models now. Whether it's your independent game store, GW, online uh, provider, it might it doesn't matter. This UPS strike sounds like here in the States is going to be real, which stores aren't going to get product in the next night. There could be a major backlog, a major hobby log. Get your product in now. Help your local game stores and also help yourself. Competitive... Um, as yeah, as of Friday, the UPS settled. There's uh, progress been made, but uh, we'll see if the world's larger together. Good grief! What was that big change? I have no idea. I'm gonna look that up. I don't remember where it was now. But uh, the first event we're gonna talk about back to Australia. It's the Kraken GT. And Kraken. Robert's gonna take it anyway. Away. Why? <laughs> so, the Kraken GT was a not a, the largest event, but it was still 43 players, which is a nice healthy amount at the end of the day. And going from the top five here, we have Charlie Kang playing Gene Sealer Colt going 4-1-1. One, and one. I'm pretty sure he can give you all the information because, you know, he's kind of that phone number at this point. In fourth place, we have, I'm not even going to try and say that first name because it is spelled really funny. I'm sorry, Mr. Edgar Wilson, but going 5-1 and one with Eldar. In third place, we have Louis Thompson Gregg 
playing specifically Yanari, so obviously there's still some faction dictation in BCP for that. In second place, we have Sterling Arnett playing Eldar. And then in first place, we have Sean Sullivan going undefeated with Yanari as well. So maybe someone has found a new soup to bring rather than Eldar Menace. That is something like three fire prisms and a whole bunch of other really fast jumping. From what I remember seeing of the Yanari players, it is still heavy Eldar goodiness, but it's a way to circumvent nerfs to the Wraith Knight. And consequently, Incarnate. Incarnate is hard to master, but when being asked to get how that all kind of takes place, but they're seeing a lot more of that. And what's interesting change from 10th compared to 9th was Inari, um, mm, but Drukari yeah. cannot, for example. It's a one-way. As a Drukari player, I'm kind of like, I've got to try over it. It's fully painted. By the way, Mr. Sullivan is a man after your own heart. He did, in fact, bring three Ravagers, all with Dark Lances. Yep. Yep. Really? I think it's because of the fact well, that he was able to squeeze these three boats that are each only 95 points, which is mind-boggling when I think about it. They are cheaper than a unit of Warp Spider. He brought the three of those in place of a third Fire Prism, which I know most Eldar lists right now are sitting on three Fire Prisms and a Night Spinner, or three fire prisms and some hornets like it's that kind of we're going to abuse the ever-living crap out of fire prisms because they can daisy chain shots off of each other as long as they can see each other and yeah that's not exactly the nicest thing in the world (laughs) but i mean if your opponent's not careful the those guns on the fire prisms those things are as long as almost as long as the lance on the serastis lancer like those things stick out like a sore thumb. So if you can see it, you just boop. <laughs> and they're one of the few models that still has mm-hmm. plastic yep. that crystals so actually. Touching plastic, on that though. change that I know you're probably still looking up. I th- could have yep. I could have sworn it, it had so something stalling. to do with like a change at Frontline Gaming for something. I don't remember either. It was brought up after the fact, but we will continue in the wonderful world of Australia at the Steel City Showdown. It was a team tournament, which as a heads up, WTC, big team tournament, biggest in the world kind of thing, except for like maybe one tournament in Spain, like the Eye of Horus or something like that. There's also the American Team Championship coming up next, which I know a good chunk of players are excited to go to. So in this case, the top we're, we're going to do the top players because obviously the teams don't list the players straight on top. But the top five players were Andrew Sherman with Necrons going effectively four and one. He had one draw out of the differential scoring. In fourth place, we have Nick Argent playing Eldar, also four and one. And third place, a very familiar name for that part of the world is Eric Lathuris. He brought Tyranids and he went undefeated. In second place, we have Liam Hackett. That's also a name I've heard before. Liam Liam, why? Why you no give list? Ah. And in first place, we have Christopher Wright also going undefeated. And he actually has a list for us to look at. Uh, But it is headed off with the in support of our team Australia heading to the WTC. We have made an exception and will not be posting the list for this player online. Instead, the judges will handle them independently. So noted, the embargo is still not off of the WTC list. (laughs) 
inch funny. I don't know. It's it's one of those I've gotten. I used to get very frustrated by this, but now I just kind of laugh at it. So I don't know what that See, what is this tech? And I'm like going, you know, especially because, Matt, you put the list down and you try to match up against it. I get I mean, that part why it's so It is one of those but... things that it's the team championship. And much like in normal sports games, if you could get a hold of the other team's playbook, it'll give you a humongous advantage. So that's the way you could look at it. And one mention within still within the top 10, but sadly missed the top five by a wee hair of a kangaroo is Matt Morisoli, who brought just generic chaos, which I'm going to assume is also not visible because of WTC stuff or he didn't even submit. So. Yeah, Matt's a versatile player. He's able to bounce but back and forth. <clears throat> overall, it is very much a... I know here in Western Hemisphere and in the U.S., we're still big on singles events, and team events are only over the last year or two becoming extremely popular to go to because obviously it's you and five or six of your best gaming buddies, whether you're competitive or not, traveling out, rolling a whole bunch of dice, having a great old time, and maybe drinking one or two buckets of beer. You don't know. So that covers everything in the land down under. And now we can kind of come back home to the west coast of Palm Springs Open by Dice Hammer. This one was a singles event. And it, pun intended here, it kind of looked like a Xenos petting zoo kind of well, it is their home stomping ground. So, I mean, you've got a competitive style. And if you've got a GT in your backyard, yeah. you've got to show Which, up. So on I'm that credit. note of a GT in your backyard, the tickets for the, for the Smite Club Open are still available. But sadly, last week was, in fact, the last day. Well, last week for discounted tickets. So now if you want to get them, you're having to pay the full price of the ticket, which I think roughly around $75, $85, if I remember correctly. Because I already got mine back when they went up. So at that point, there's still plenty of room. Feel free to get your ticket in. Come roll some dice with us in Arizona. It will hopefully be a lot cooler than it is right now. Yeah, it's hot all over, like it's but probably yeah, it's 104 hot, outside. Yeah. And it's 10 o'clock at night. But anyway, so in Palm Springs, the top five were Logan Heath of Xenos Petting Zoo bringing Eldar going a whopping five and one. In fourth place is Grant Kaufman bringing Pure Demon, also going four and one. In third place, we have Jake Jasonowski. I'm sorry I butchered yeah, that please. last name. I thought I was prepared for it, but no, I was not. Um, he brought Necrons going four and one. Uh, not four and one, five and one. I can. In second place, we have Alex Spathopoulos, also bringing Eldar. And now this one has kind of turned it on its head. In first place, we have Joel Wilson. Also was from Xenos Petting Zoo, but he won with. Interesting. What's in this? Because Tyranids are a definitely play the mission, not a <laughs> envelop your uh, type army. And they're also very easily had a uh, battle shock thing. So people well, were wondering. Turn it happened. starts out so with just three characters it? of Death Leaper, a normal Hive Tyrant with a Venom Cannon, and then a Neuro Tyrant. So already a 405 point investment in just characters. And then this man must have a spine made of steel because one, two, three, four, five units of 20 Termagants. And they're all the same thing. So all Devourers and then one unit of Hormagants. Also 20. That is 120 little bases. And then 
The additional wow, data cool. sheets for the affectionately called Gaunt Carpet is a couple of biovores for super fun spore mine abusing. A lictor, two maliceptors, a massive brick of neurogaunts, twenty, if I'm reading it correctly. Yeah. And then two normal size units of venomthropes and one unit of zone so it's definitely the mentality of i can't believe i'm referencing this but the 300 conscript lists you can't kill all of us but we're gonna be everywhere and from watching some games happen with the tyranids last friday the fact that you can give the army just automatic lethal hits is a little wild and the devourers i believe are the strength five no ap assault weapons so that's a handful of shots out of each of those bricks of termagants every turn and then they can run away when you get close enough to them it's interesting you say that because i remember when that first came out the uh faction previews or even before that i think uh people were like wow that sounds kind of neat moment you're like i wish i had that but um it's finally catching but it is that. definitely that something to up. be said of the a man being able to hunch over a table for two and a half hours, moving 200 plus, almost 200. And his last round opponent was, I am surprised by this. It was Gaunt Carpet into Admin. Mm-hmm. On, in, round, in round six, yeah. Joel Wilson was paired into Jason McKenzie. So a, a quick touch well, on this one, because I know this is a little out of the field, but it was... Belisarius Call, um, a Marshal, a Magus Dominus. I, I, he has all of his named, which makes it really hard to. I was wondering. So far, yeah, these are pretty yeah, standard. Uh, tech Priest Engines like, here, uh, normal Dominus or something, I guess. One one brick of Vanguard looks like a just a 10 man squad, I think. Um, yeah. I'm just not, yeah, for, they got yeah, I'm just not very familiar with the Skitari loadout because I know they had like different guns and stuff. But continuing onward, um, yeah. that's nine Bellastari. Yeah, that's oh, well, uh, that's go. a whole bunch of last cannons, a massive brick of breachers, of, like a full brick of six, a full brick of six Catafon destroyer, and then a unit of five Taraxi, the, the Da Vinci jump pack guys. He actually brought two of them, so engage on all fronts and behind me line stuff. Two units of sulfur hounds, one unit of infiltrators, and then the ever so growing in popularity exaction squads. These thirty-five point five up feel no pain little policemen. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what. The yeah, and the fact that they're the thirty-five okay. points, it is dirt cheap Got to bring it. these guys because these were also in steve trimble's list for when he won tacoma with his custodes yep they were released mainly okay. for like kill team or necromunda or something and but that is the palm uh, springs open those are the top five players there we we do have we had some smite club members go over there and the the highest finishing one very very proud of him he doesn't get to play all that often is Matt Baugh. He did take Eldar. He went four and two, and he had a pretty consistent record of lose one, win two. So he ended up landing in 32nd place. And from there, it kind of not a lot of the Smite Club crew went out to Palm Springs Open this weekend, I think. 
because they might have been busy with some other stuff. Very much like the next event that we're going to cover here in a second. Like club the representation of this event as well, but by far the biggest event of the weekend, and also uh, the, the differences because uh, with frontline uh, player place terrain, there's still player exact, uh, so that was featured this event at Games Workshop uh, tables. So, curious to see how uh, any particular changes there, any overlap, but uh, still a very large event. And also, just a quick shout out uh, it was a appreciation for several armed forces related. Yep. I've uh, seen, I also have seen this happen a lot at. Texas events where they know a lot of the armed forces members are going to come out where they have for funsies armed forces versus armed forces games where it's just like super silly kind of like ah! and it's a, it's a good hoot and holler from everyone. So jumping down to Lone Star Open speaking of Texas the top five very much is a toss up from what you would expect except for like one thing in fifth place we have Robert Hawkins bringing Gene Steeler Colt as people have sus suspected wow that was really hard to say along with games workshop themselves keeping an eye on gene stealer cults is actually kind of a big deal right now because they have the potential to be a big problem but their rules overall aren't written terribly broken so it's okay you can have endless swarms of resistance members coming back all the time when you kill them but you don't get to bring the characters back okay that's all whoop de do only problem is is you're having the equivalent of like 200 models going on and off the table all the time so it's really hard to deal with for a lot of people which is one thing that gsc play into and fourth place we have a familiar name to most people in texas robert moreland bringing astra militarum in third place we have eric tat bringing also gene Steeler cult we had three people at this event go undefeated which is a little surprising. Must have been a big, big event. I think it was, yep, 214 players signed up for this. In second place is William Abelez with Tau. And in first place, Ben Jurek of Smite Club winning with Eldar. He's had quite the run with uh, another big uh, outing to uh, Europe. Uh, yep. Later. Congratulations. It, you best having... Time gone to rage gt and ben also won that one also bringing eldar ben has probably played more games of 10th edition than the entire state of arizona at this point with how much he says he has to practice <laughs> to be on team usa it's pretty amazing what uh, the amount of commitment and uh, a quick note is uh, he played russell tassin in the finals and uh you know, Russell was right there. It was a very tight game. I actually had a chance to watch it today. So it was an 88-81 win. But Russell, with losing that final round, I feel bad for him, drops all the way to seven. Fortunate, because there's a... He's uh, kind of plopped out. Because uh, he had a, a... He was in it to the to the very end. And it really came down to... Uh, really what it was is he... It was an opportunity after Wraith Knight. And just overcommitted, really, what it comes down to. Abaddon with the Terminator stuff. Abaddon by himself. Uh, Knight, the Terminator, receiver swung. But not only did he send the Terminator, a group of cultists to hold the objective of literators as well. And just, you know, the LR just faster. It became a board control game. So, uh, but another tactic that Ben, the end, uh, is something we kind of talked about very early on with Proto 10th work. And that's card counting. Our only cards in the deck. So if you know what cards have been dealt by turn four, by turn five, you've got a pretty good guess mm -hmm. what missions are coming up without having it was. Uh, heart of the deck, he's going to be, he got rid of uh, lower scoring 
uh, secondaries earlier in the game, there's a good chance whatever cards he's drawing, he's going to be worth five. Exactly. And he put himself in a position where he had to get uh, cleansed, stay in pretty good shape, but it was that experience and that tact coming through. And um, definitely I'm going to work on my score sheet so I can figure out, okay, which which secondaries have been used up. Yeah, so like, guess to touch on this next. example again, before we actually dive into uh mr tassin black legion list because i think it's really neat to see that all the way up on table number one the the counting cards isn't so much a problem because you and your opponent have the same cards like i had a game of orcs into well, a game of chaos knights into orcs on friday and the man is a pleasure to play against his name is Tarek. he brought a gargantuan squiggeth you got to go up against that finally. I'd seen it because he was finished painting it. And it yeah, I barely have an answer like, for it. Yeah, I don't know. Dear, but geez. Anyway, so that game, if we factor in paint score, ended 48 to 67. It was a really low scoring game for the both of us. And he and I both admitted that if my secondary draws from like turn two and three onward were slightly different where I got points for like no prisoners and assassinate and all these other ones where he was in my face. So I could take out his army. That game probably would have swung in my favor. Also Mazrog Scragbad living on one wound after getting punched by a stalker only to knock, finally knock over my desecrator in melee combat. It was dumb. Which, by the way, that charge is already wonky. That was a 10-inch charge to go up, over, and down a thing of crates for my stalker to do that. It was hilarious. But no, it's that kind of tactic is something that is very helpful to pick up sooner rather than later. It may feel kind of gimmicky, but it's really not because everyone has the same stuff right now. Once they potentially introduce like new secondary decks for like different mission packs then it kind of becomes a different kind of game yeah i kind of like the idea same deck of cards and also that we're also still we're still also using the same mission packs so what they do at wtc what they're in australia what we talked about earlier don't have any Eng england events today but they're still all you pack and that was always a problem in the early days when I mean, you talk about everybody says fifth edition k uh, having lived through it, and that that was one of the problems. East Coast and West Coast United States, actually, there were four mission packs, regular circulation. And it was always one of those, well, who's really the best player? It was hard to say because West Coast player never bothered back unless they was, was it a question of who had more practice at the army in the right way. So I, I'm kind of excited about this right now. It's be much more dynamic. It's not quite as salt. Uh, that's probably one of the other about. Yeah, a lot, a lot more. But yeah, I, it, not it's, to but keep not all of those excited with their notebooks potentially waiting. We do have that Black Legion list from Russell Tazen. And this actually also feels really fluffy because of what's in it. It's abaddon a terminator lord who is undivided so i know they have different benefits off of what marks they have but i don't remember them off the top of my head so then he has a mark of zinch cultist mob which that one i vaguely remember is like a four plus invuln or something like that and then from yeah and then from there something it like jumps that, yeah. to just other data sheets he has a, a mark of nurgle land raider he has two two units of terminators both undivided one is a five man and the other one is a 10 man then he has a f undivided forge fiend he has three nurgle obliterator units and then a couple of nurglings 
And the Nerdlings were actually critical in uh, the game. Objective. Ben was able to take out the Forge Fiend very early, the Fire Prisms, and also take out the Land Raider. Took out a lot of long-range shooting and also took out a lot of the Terminator. I don't know, I'd be curious to talk to something he'll change in the future, adding more mobility. There's a lot out there. Um, I'm also hearing a lot of chatter about um, one laughably one of may not be that bad. Hark on World, so yeah. Rap Warp Town. It's either Warp, sure I think it's just Raptors. Yeah, something like so. Touching on the Nerdlings, they're OC zero. Like I figure that they're just there to, yeah, they can either deep strike or forward deploy, and yeah, so like they can be super flexible and they could take up space. Because if I remember correctly, they're each on like forty millimeter base. Yeah, so that's actually a lot of real estate. Yeah. For I forgot there. That yeah, was pretty wild to see. It was just a very interesting. It was a, it was a great game. Yeah. It was live. I am very sad that I did not have the chance to watch it. I know it was a big busy day and just wrapping it up here. It's wishing Ben and Team USA the best of luck over at the WTC. Just have lots of fun, win lots of games, and let's see if we can not let the Australians take over the world again. <laughs> yeah. So Can't that's have, have actually happened. all of our events for today. I talked a little too fast, I think. It's never too fast. If not, <laughs> <go> ahead, <laughs> just hit the old rewind. Yeah. For written transcript of this uh, programming, rewind to the beginning, <laughs> grab a pencil and paper. Yes. Wicked fast. So the to kind of chat about our local stuff right now, our local Arizona league has started up again, and I've taken Chaos Nights again, and it started out kind of rough. I am currently zero and three. <laughs> oh. Well, good news. Good for you for getting three games in already. I'm a little jealous. So, but well, uh, I mean, I played oh, against uh, Tarek twice in one day because the first game, uh, he went first on Dawn of War. And Eric, I want you to guess the probability of a Knight Tyrant falling down on turn one in close combat. Oh, we know he's got that big squig on in close combat. Okay, pretty minimal. I mean, it's, it's nope. Got high toughness. <laughs> nope. My my tyrant falling over in close combat was a ninety five percent chance if Tarek went first, <laughs> which he did. <laughs> because um, the fun trick is is that since the Squigoth is a transport, he puts a unit of Gretchen in there, and the Gretchen apparently have the scout rule. So he also attaches the special Runt Herd character with. I can never remember his name, but all the names are made up anyway because they're orcs. It's not, like something works, Naga. And so the <laughs> oh yeah, the, the Gretchen don't have Wa, so it must be don't have Scout. So it must be the character that gives it to him. He explained it to me, and I'm just like, this is crazy. Because effectively what happens is that Squigoth got a nine-inch pregame. It then moves ten inches. He was so he can advance and charge. Yes, in fact, the Yep. So you're looking at 19 plus, we'll say yeah. seven. And it's um, charge. Yes. Zodgrod Wartsnaga is the special run herd character. So when he's attached to a unit of Gretchen, he literally calls them super runts, which the models that he's leading get a nine inch scout. And when they make an attack, they get plus one to hit and plus one to wound. And then they're minus one to wound against. Yeah, that one was. <laughs> And the squig off. Oh, it's bigger than a knight. It's, it's pretty much 30 wounds of the two up armor save. <laughs> and like toughness 13. Um, the reason why I laugh about our first game, it literally took us 10 minutes. I tried my best to score stuff and I lost something like 40 to 90. Um, because the squig off in close combat makes seven attacks, 
hitting on threes with sustained hits because you know orcs at like strength 13 or 14 or something with lance so it is literally wounding everything in the game basically on and i want you to guess what the damage profile is eric not was like a even damage. so the when he if he no. ever does the sweep profile which never comes up unless you're you're against some gaunts is 18 attacks of strength 9 ap2 damage 3 but the big big hits so the ones with lance it's six attacks plus one from the wall so seven at strength 14 ap3 flat 12 damage <laughs> oh my yep that squigoth casually did 48 damage to my night tyrant because <laughs> it was casual Casually. i had a Looks five like... up armor save i made two of them <laughs> oh. take that yeah 24 points of damage <laughs> and right it, there. it was such a silly <laughs> game because it was scout move then the gretchen got out um Wartsnaga gives them an additional six inches of move during the wall. So they go like three inches out of the squigath, then they go base 11 <laughs> or something like that, plus an advance, plus a charge. It was just like, Welp, I have Gretchen in my deployment zone on turn one in close combat with two of my war dogs. What? <laughs> yes, it was just so silly. But it was a, I mean, it was just a fun old time because orcs they trade off their alpha strike strength for just being obnoxiously yeah it's just i don't know i'm still on the fence of i'm maybe just like rod nard about this but i'm like, yeah they always run into problems oh yeah like, it, i'm happy to hear Terry yeah, it, it's it, not even focusing the on the squigath stuff. anymore it's the like the squigath is a big thing like it's chunky but in our second game i did take it down in a single round of shoot but it took two thousand points of knights to do it um but the the orc army uh, he brought the the named beast boss, Mazrog Scragbad, who is toughness 10 and can be minus one to wound. How rude is that? And he has a four up invul and a four plus shrug. Like it's, he is durable. The, the squig hog riders are like toughness seven. Like it, well, a lot, yeah, a lot of those, uh, I was looking about it after our show. So I carry, and yeah, they're all seven T eight. I'm like going, oh my god! I had to pump really thermal to pump spears. <laughs> like it, it, orcs are no longer the alpha strike killy. We keep you pinned in our deployment zone kind of game. They still want to do that because they want to wall and they want to get into close combat so that way they can swarm you and you don't score primary, which is how I lost because we ended up playing scorched earth for a second game. We got the we drew the weirdest combination on our first game it was the ritual plus like chosen battle it was just interesting so you guys mm -hmm. are playing the full card games okay in the tournament style yeah pretty much no so far from limited... what i remember seeing in the rules we are using the entire tactical deck because it's fun it's still the new edition so it's not like there's any kind of pre like major necessity for preset games because we had that last time let's try something a little different for a while but yeah no the the ritual plus chosen battlefield with it was just a really bad setup because it was here here's five objectives well you only need three objectives well so but no the the painting of the castigators coming along well i actually am about 60 percent there i have the the rusting 
that I'm working on right now, because I got all the primary color, I got most of the primary colors down. Now it's just coming down to weathering, more airbrush work, and then basing. With the yep, weathering that one, um, the cheat code is called AK Products. <laughs> their their enamel weathering stuff is just perfect. It's what I used on my nights originally to get them to that really dark and grimy kind of dirty look until it poured all over my table. <laughs> and then I switched to like soil works to get the last of them. And it makes a nice, not so glossy finish, but leaves all the color there and it doesn't make it filthy. Right. But for the castigator and the Lancer, which I know for a fact that the the three and three list is going to be terrible, but it's going to be so much fun to just throw the Lancer at people. <laughs> Yeah, so what is kind of the, the people um, looking at what I get to? Two and seven, uh, but the two and seven is more fun because you get to put more stuff on the table. Right, and what we're referring to, in case but you're not the the two general consensus seven. across the entirety is it's back to the one big ten little knights because that's the the most effective way of playing it, and it's usually the same old here's a desecrator here's like six brigands and then whatever else you can fit yep because the brigands are battle line and what's it's like OC five bigger models yep. be better than that's why i call them my big stompy robots we walk on a button and go it's our button now correction we are oc8 yeah still getting used to wow. remembering there that number all i'm just so used to i walk on the button it's mine now go away <laughs> Fire parties. Uh, objective secure. Hey, listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for. That next tournament, you can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy, the boxes help protect your models, and if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the External House Podcast. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro Nom 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 to replace your average pizza decided to come out with a, another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So they're from RedDukeGames.com and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug. Who knows? Either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time, and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table, because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp, or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play in So, if you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the Mad Men at RedDukeGames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. 
You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. Yep. And I know you've been busy on your end with other stuff, so you haven't been able to hobby very much. Actually, I have all. been quite a bit. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. Um, so I have a top secret project that I'm going to tell everybody here on the show about. And, um, long story short, we've been looking at ways not only to expand the brand of the channel, but also well, my passion. But I just wanted, didn't want to do it just for the sake of the purpose. Um, so when Games Workshop dropped, oh, would you like to run a tournament? Would you like to? Here are the four tables we suggest. And immediately a lot of people went, that's crap. That does, they don't know what they're talking about and all that. And I just went, hold my beer. Um, about the RTT was what, two weeks ago? So that Wednesday beforehand, I uh, went through our, any cardboard box to get my hands on and did a mock terrain boards would look like photographical area. They went, wow, that looks actually a lot better when you see flat drawing from above. And there is a little bit of liberty taken with height as I'm breaking this down. You know, obviously your terrain in the middle shaller, that would solve your tower. And um, so, oh yeah. Um, my goal now I have about 20 room for 24 players. So I need 12. So I want to make 12 tables. And I'd like to invite everyone to follow along with diary W print. Uh, I have some that I'm working with, stuff, train making foam. Some of them is uh, styrene plastic. Um, I was watching arts giving, I think it's a great LDF. And I'm even dipping more organic cosplay uh, techniques that I can't wait to try out. So, um, yeah. So pretty much every waking moment that's not spends podcast and getting it up and running, uh, designing tournament or the tables are silk, but at the same point, you're not five times. And you're going to let us help you, right? I might. What I, the hardest part right now is I'm just trying to get a, a template so it can be easy so everybody can factor assembly line, all this stuff. Um, I'll probably defer the, yeah, I could, uh, some of the building stuff is just, okay, how does this, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. That's why it's not ask people to help. Um, but um, some of the terrain pieces look pretty cool. So uh, I'm also trying to do it to kind of some of the other examples. Don Husen, for example, a Death Guard um, player for quite some Death Guard. Definitely want to challenge mine. It's a lot harder to do because there's a lot of organic shapes that you can't do. That, that's another, that's using a lot of the cosmic techniques to get that. Uh, just a couple of stuff, yeah. Um, some of the stuff is some use of old ideas, and it's time to bring them back. Because I actually space or for charity for bigger event, the stuff away. It's an admec table I built for Nova. The prize there was Death Watch away, and I don't Craft World stuff I used to build. So now it's like okay, so let's bring them all back and show that uh, a table filled with eight ruins. Dynamic. Well, I'm calling dibs on playtesting duties. And I also need you guys help in the community as well, because I did read the Goonhammer article, and they definitely have their favorite layout. It is difficult to make politically correct. The four layouts, there's there's definitely a lot of pieces that are repeated, so you don't have to. There are quite a few pieces that are not. Trying to figure out, okay, which... If I could narrow it down to two layouts of those for each day, oh. uh, the other thing I've noticed is um, one base may have uh, may be unique, but there's the elements that are silhouetted are repeated throughout. So one thing I do not like, I am, if you look at if you go to a Games Workshop events, they have their ruins are not attached to the base, and uh, so I'm trying to think of gluing them down does provide a lot of support, but on the other hand, maybe a magnetized. Um, pin system would go up into the columns 
uh, I used to do a thing where the ruins around the base had a slot and if the wall slid into it, I may do that again. I'm trying to figure all that out. Mix and match. So it makes it day one. Or I might just, I don't know. I have to, that's the part I'm still trying to figure out right now. I just want to get proportions right. Have a right mix of one. Yeah, I know for before I played Mark Follows on Friday, I brought my own terrain that's from GameMat.eu and I attempted to recreate um, layout number four. Mm-hmm. And I almost got there. I almost got there with the GameMat.eu stuff. Obviously, the the two big center L's were just L's. There was no like separating of pieces or walls or anything. It was, nope, there's an L, there's an L, da, 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 and all this other stuff. Uh, it became very crowded very quickly. Yeah. You're absolutely right, and that's. I'm curious to see WT. They are noticed. They've always had the more crowded terrain table prior to. Now, I don't think they had time to shift things around, and their terrain. How oh, it's a pun. It's basically the the company that made Bishani Wayland. I feel bad because their terrain is actually pretty. It's good. It's like uh, reprinted plastic, so it's it's ready to go out of the box. I think the game you stuff that you have is much better. Um, yeah, my the game mat you stuff is MDF and it's pre-painted, pretty awesome. I've also noticed that the most recent set, the uh, uh, Sister Soratas set from FLG, the footprints are a lot closer to workshop to say their original set ago. So maybe they got the hint as well. But yeah, correct me like the your big L's. How tall are they? Uh I want to say twelve inches. They are. Yeah, like they're almost 12 inches tall. They are legitimately tall enough to hide a knight with a missile hat on it. I would know because me and Mark both went, hmm, if I could angle this way, I could see your hat, but I'd be no longer looking from my model. Yeah, but yeah. so I'm looking forward to tackle a couple of ideas practical at a larger scale and do hell. Uh, so I recognized that with some of my old techniques. It was hard to duplicate, hard to miles. So I think, yep, here's a rattle can, here's a respirator. Just don't eat the paint. Yeah, exactly. The styrons. Yeah. Maybe at some point we'll be able to incorporate, because I know I still have that crazy display board idea that I have planned. Now I have to add two knights to it. That's a lot of space I don't have. Yeah, I'm still worried. That's one thing I need to get going. Never actually came around and finished mine. So I have to come back to that. It's trying to come up with an idea that, uh, but also fits my own tricky, but, um, so to round off our show, as we usually do, I know it's currently still a little bit of the wild west because points are very much carried over from ninth edition still. Yep. So I'm going to rattle off the top 10. Uh, it does include the ninth edition points, separate that out in 10th, um, stat check done. Yeah. They might've had the time and the power to allocate to that. Unlike us. Well, you know, it's one of those things where we were both better. Give them credit where credit is due. Yeah, they're fucking there investing better. I mean, it's something to be said about people who complain about their hobby. It just shows that they're either really passionate about their hobby and they want it to be great, or they are passionate about how bad the hobby is, (laughs) which is not throwing shade at anyone because we all do it. I do it. I complain about painting my knights going, God dang it. I have until Sunday to finish this castigator and I have to do this and I have to do that. And the amount of work I've gotten done in two days is astounding. Right. So bad news. Uh, they've done the exact opposite for what they, they stopped up and not put out a, they last updated May 9th. So the prior to the start of. Okay. So the top 10 of the ITC currently, including their ninth edition points of old, in 10th place is Ben Cherwin with 1,215. 9th place is Martin Cooper, who is barely one point ahead of him. Then in 8th place is Stephen Crawley 
with 1,238. 7th place is Sam Procopio with 1,242. 6th place is Innis Wilson of said stat check. Mm -hmm. Am I right? That's correct. Okay, cool. I'm not mixing. With a whopping 1,254, we are going to round up that .03. In 4th place, no, 5th place is TJ Lanigan, just a couple points ahead of him. And then we got a small jump up to 4th place with Josh Roberts with 1,275. In third place, an even bigger jump with Brian Sape, 13.05. In second place is Brad Chester with a 13.29. And then the crazy madman himself that hops from army to army, Manny Chima, with a score of score of only two different numbers, 14.41. So the, one of the things we, we try to avoid in this show with breaking down of the meta shows to a better job of that. But interesting point to bring up here is everybody knows about the boogeyman, uh, Eldar. Eldar is still at top. 69% win rate, um, according to stat check, uh, July 21st, so prior to this weekend's action. Uh, Gene Steeler Colts right behind them at 65%. What's concerning, though, is overrepresentation rate, and uh, which means um, they appeared more off the podium than they do actually um, general field. They have the highest. When they show up, they do better. Imperial Knights coming in third, and then it gets kind of clustered at the respectable mm -hmm. mark. But three factions to keep in mind uh, that people aren't talking about. Uh, Thousand Suns, Necron, Chaos Space, Adeptus Sororitas. So that actually, that's at the four. This is why I don't do stat check. Uh, what that means, what's about them, they have the highest percentage above the after those big three Eldari of going 4-0. Mm -hmm. They go 7% of the time. They go 4-0 in an event. No other faction is above 4%. So they're almost doing it twice as often as the other factions. So as Eldari get their knees cut out, these might be alpha dogs to five. And in comparison to something like the Games Workshop Meta Watch, they brought up the fact that Custodes are kind of a big boogeyman up there sitting at, from theirs, I think Custodes were sitting at some 58 or 60%. Like, I know they were higher up because of the fact that they were just consistently yes. good. And they were at 55%. Uh, but their overrepresentation is is up there, and uh, but it's interesting. Their four and zero start percent, but their overrepresentation in the top list was higher than that of Necro. So it's a uh, custodes are definitely there. Custodes have the body, but very much like Gene Steeler Colt, it takes a lot of skill to um, apply it correctly to go that undefeated streak like Steve Timble did. I know in my games with custodes so far in tenth edition. I've had a lot of fun playing them. I refuse to leave the table from sheer stubbornness. But at the same time, it's uh, sometimes I just go, hey, I feel like I won for no reason because I'm Custodes, because I just didn't die off the table. So interesting to bring that up. Um, custodes are kind of the, we're gonna, Amber, it's the show we're going to bring back, just while waiting for some data to matriculate, is mid-table obscurity. These guys are the kings. Uh, mm -hmm. Only 8% of tournament goers win less than two game but the same only seven percent of those win more than five they they are dead center 23 percent win twice 29 uh, four times put that in perspective you know the eldari 30 percent win here we go 16 percent so one out of six win more than five games mm -hmm. it's just so skewed you know they're looking almost uh 50 72 percent i get it they're definitely favoring towards the top where uh, custodies are kings in the middle ground you know they, they win consistently mm -hmm. but they it does take that skill to break through beyond yep and touching on chaos knights they're on the opposite side of that spectrum they were like a 45 percent win rate yeah it's <laughs> quickly and they're kind of all uh, over the place though it's interesting easter famine uh you mm -hmm. either go 
two and four or four and two. like nobody goes three and chaos Knights. it's really weird yeah but i think with that i think that is a very nice happy end to our episode because yeah. we had a lot of actual tournament news to talk about a lot of happy stuff to talk about and yeah it's just been a busy and uh ben mentioned something as well in his past yes uh don't forget faction best in faction is still something up there we got one more gw event coming up in tampa and uh before the wcw in atlanta that's right that's in november isn't it one more chance at a gw event and ticket there are also quite a few uh flg events that are docked so uh plan your um summer and fall appropriately and because a podcast tells you your faction that faction. yep you can be the best of that faction at your event with that uh my name's eric i'm robert and thank you for listening to the exterminatus podcast <laughs> Thank you.